0: Let's get
1: this party started! Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 41 of the Sports Nuts and Beer Guts. Your host, Logan Bryant, is here. We got Chris Collette. He's back. This is week two in a row. I don't know if he can handle it. And then we're we're bringing out of Charlotte, NC... The man, the myth, the legend, Red Glasses himself, Alan Wallace. Alan, welcome to the show.
2: What's up, guys?
1: Is Are we allowed to call this a show? Like what, <laughs> welcome to the pod. Welcome to the Skype sesh. If you're the host. You can call it whatever you want. <laughs> welcome to the biggest show in town. Chris, you, What's look up? Like you're, you look like you're home alone again. I am home
3: alone. No complaints.
1: The three-year-old's too much for me these days. <laughs> yeah, it is. Officially, this is the week when school was supposed to end. Um, and basically all restaurants and stores are opening back up here in Knoxville. So it's kind of like summer's actually here now. And um, my motivation at work has gone down the drain. I don't have to, you know, stay on the kids during the day. I have, to have a routine and a schedule, so it's it's all kinds of chaos at the Bryant house this week. But but we're gonna get by, and we're gonna get by with episode forty one, the Dirk Nowitzki, the fadeaway kick you in the ball sack while I do it, Dirk Nowitzki. Before we go any further, Awa, is that move illegal or should it be?
2: No, I mean it's the <laughs> it's the Dirk move. He has. <laughs> It's just like the, uh, you know, James Harden, shuffle step or whatever he does. Everybody has their thing. That was Dirk's thing. He created LeBron's it. LeBron's
3: crab dribble.
1: LeBron's
2: <laughs> crab dribble.
1: You can't stop it. You can only hope to contain it. Well, of course you can't stop it because he he's seven foot, and when he jumps, he kicks his foot straight out in front of him, so you can't stop it. <laughs> it's like it's like LeBron. It's like a Jordan didn't push off. Dirk doesn't kick at somebody every time he shoots the ball. You didn't believe that
2: part of the uh, documentary that he, did,
1: he didn't have anything to do with
2: with Russell sliding across the court?
1: <laughs> oh, we're going to get into Jordan, but there's a whole lot of that that I have not believed. And I've got some people that are on my side these days of coming out and saying that they think Jordan is full of bull. Um, but we're going to talk some some Michael Jordan we're going to talk a little uh, University of Kentucky cheerleading scandal that's going on. We may even bring Chuck E. Cheese into it, uh, since that's the only place Chris could oh. eat for the longest time when we were in college. So true. And we're going to talk Peyton Manning and the NFL Rooney Rule. Guys, are we ready for this? Ready. All right, let's do well, it. Let's, let's jump into it, Dirk Nowitzki style. Chris, do you know any German? Um, nine. Dude, nine. Dude. <laughs> nine nine all right guys the nfl rooney rule they decided that every um every team must now legitimately interview two outside minority candidates for all head coaching positions yay or nay are you in favor of this chris or not i'm indifferent
3: on it um i think uh some teams will have a hard time finding two minority candidates to interview Because, uh, a lot of minority hires that are minority candidates that think they're just the token minority Rooney roll interview, uh, they turn interviews down. So having an extra one and potentially two, if you want to go outside, uh, yeah. So I think it's going to be a a slight issue potentially, but something needed to happen to get, uh, something besides the one token one that's usually an internal, uh, Position coach, they just they interview as the head coach, and it never goes anywhere. So I'm okay.
1: Well, yeah, I mean they definitely had to do something. I mean you look into like even like these token interviews they would do. You'd have things like the owners would interview the legit candidates, and then he'd pawn off some assistant to interview the minority candidate um, that he knew he wasn't going to hire. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, what the NFL needs to do is actually get real about the Rooney Rule to begin with. And if there's not a legit interview, you punish them. I mean, only one team's ever been punished for the Rooney rule. It was the very first year it came in, uh, and it was the Detroit Lions. And I don't even remember what the punishment was. I don't think it was much. Um, but when you know teams aren't legitimately interviewing anybody, um, you got you got to do something. So something's needed to be done. AWOL, the original thought when, when this first came out was, They were going to incentivize teams with draft picks if they hired minority candidates. Is the, is the rule they ended up with better than that one? Or are you in favor of draft picks for minority candidates?
2: I don't, I don't think that there needs to be some sort of incentive. I, I I think it's kind of (laughs) sad that there has to be a rule in the first place um, for these teams to interview minority candidates. Um, I mean, half the league I don't, I don't know these stats. I'm just making this up. Half the league is minority. And so, you know, we don't have like 80%. (laughs) There you go.
1: It's a little over 70%. Yeah.
2: So 70% of the league is minority, but we don't have any, any of these guys that want to be coaches. Um, So I think it's kind of sad that they even have to have a rule in the first place. So they want to incentivize it. I'm I'm cool with it. Um, I think, I think, you know, these teams start, need to, to to take it seriously and start interviewing legitimate candidates um, who are minorities rather than just like you guys said, just, you know, doing some in, internal interview. So I'm OK with it if it's going to make the teams take it seriously.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Cinnamon AWOL just mentioned uh, Tony Dungy had a similar sentiment when he said, you know, he doesn't like the idea that you incentivize a team or anybody for doing what's right. So it seems weird to incentivize a team with draft picks for doing what they should be doing. You um, know I was a big time 49ers fan back in the day. Um, and I remember Bill Walsh, Bill Walsh, who always had more minority candidates on his coaching staff than maybe anybody in the history of the game, but definitely in his time. And he just he basically viewed uh, diversity as an asset. And so he had a program where he would take players and the year that they told him they were going to retire, and He would sit down with them and ask them if they ever planned on coaching, and if so, he would bring them on as assistants at low as low level assistants, and kind of work them work them up through uh, through the ranks that way. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's it's definitely an issue. The NFL is one of the only major sports where African Americans played in the inaugural season. I mean, the athletes were there. They didn't play the first year of the NBA. They didn't play the first year of Major League Baseball, and yet both of those. Um, most of those leagues have more minority head coaches um, than the NFL does. The NBA has, I think, about eighty percent um, African American players, and about a third of their coaches are are non-white. The NFL has four, uh, and it seems like every head coaching cycle, the Eric B. of the world get overlooked, and everybody's trying to figure out why he has seemed seems to be pretty pretty um, uh, pretty qualified is the word i'm looking for um i think i, th- I think it goes back to the fact though in the nfl i don't know how you fix this there are currently no black owners in the nfl um you can't make a you can't make a uh, a team sell i mean when the panthers were for sale i think p diddy threw his name in the hat saying he would love to own them i don't know if he ever threw in a uh, an actual offer or not but you know, until that changes, I'm not real sure we're going to see noticeable change. Um, but I'm glad to see the NFL trying to do something. It's um, something that's needed. Um, I do think it'll be it'll be a benefit to the league.
3: I I think one issue that a lot of people have is um, Adam Gaze. Uh, he, he's he's not been that good uh, anywhere he's been, and he keeps getting jobs like stuff like that. I think that's that's the issue. Uh, I mean, obviously. Not every black coach that's hired is going to be successful, uh, but I do think they're held to uh, a little crazier standard than than your average white coach, so something these days yeah they're going be under,
2: they're going to be under the microscope more, and you know they're not going to be given as much time to be successful. and I think what Logan said was perfect. I mean the owners are a bunch of older white men <laughs> and unfortunately. I don't know that it's going to change. Like, I don't see, you know, a whole lot of uh, different minorities buying NFL teams. Like, they're getting more and more expensive. And, you know, I mean, we could talk all day about the dispar- disparity, disparity, uh, and, and uh, you know, disparity. the money. Yeah, there we go. The money in this country, um, you know, and, and who, who does that
1: bunch of old white dudes have it.
2: Yeah. So uh, it's <laughs> it may not change anytime soon, which is kind of sad.
1: Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, I'm glad to see that they're trying to do something. Um, You know, it's I don't know. Glad to see they're trying to do something. But kind of like a hey, while, well, I'm not sure it's going to change a whole lot. Um there's going to be a whole lot of sentiment there that changes, but I do think we have a wave of African-American quarterbacks. Um, and not that I think those always turn into head coaches, but your quarterback coaches generally turn into, um, offensive coordinators who then turn into head coaches. Um, and so I do think having more African-American players at that position goes a long way. Um, you know, the T Martins of the world become, um, uh, quarterback coaches who then become offensive coordinators and uh, potentially get get head, head jobs there. But guys, we are flipping the script on horse racing this year. The Kentucky Derby said we're not racing until the fall. So the Belmont jumped in and said, guess what? We're going to kick off the Triple Crown, and we don't need no stinking fans. Traditionally, the Belmont's the longest race of all three. It's about a mile and a half. They're going to cut it down to a mile and an eighth. Roughly the, roughly the same distance as the Derby. Um, the Belmont's got the uh, a wide, long straightaway with these big looping curves. Um, so I fully expect this to be the biggest field the Belmont's ever had. Kind of excited. Um, I think that track is built for big fields. But the way the Triple Crown works, you know, if you've oh. not... No, if you don't have a chance at the, uh,
3: like seven or eight horses, <laughs>
1: like, yes, there's no need to, to haul a horse up there. That's already run twice in the last six weeks. Yeah. Um, and
3: half the horses like skipped out on the derby and the precast <laughs> and just run Belmont only. That's,
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think it could be one heck of a race. Um, it's going to be a little bit weird without fans just because you like hearing that roar as they come down the backstretch. Um, but I think I'm actually going to, I'm going to sit down and maybe throw a little Belmont party this year. Uh, it should be an exciting race. AWOL, will the Belmont replace the Kentucky Derby for you this year, or will you still wait for the big one in the fall?
2: I'll probably, I mean, I'm, I've always been a Kentucky Derby guy. Um, like you, Logan, I grew up pretty close to there. So, you know, every year I was pretty excited to watch the Kentucky Derby. feels weird, uh, that it's going to be in the fall and, I don't know that the Belmont's going to replace it for me. I'll probably turn it on just to see, you know, some live sports and uh just to you know, I'll be intrigued by like you said, maybe a larger field cuz um, you know, typically it's eight horses, so you know, largest field ever might be. I don't know, maybe 10 or 11 guys. It's going to be crazy. Um but and it's it's not like it's going to take my whole day to watch it right. you know you got 2 minutes to spare <laughs> I, I think i can get my kids away for 2 minutes so i'm in i'm intrigued but it's not replacing the kentucky derby for me
1: yeah i'll i'll be curious to see if the derby still gets a 20 horse field or not um as as horses will will choose to back out i'm sure um but the purse for the derby still a nice a <laughs> nice payday so they'll probably get some people there chris I know you stayed up and watched the entire NASCAR race this weekend. Do you have two minutes for the Belmont?
3: I definitely have two minutes for the Belmont. <laughs> uh, I'm, ex- I'm excited for any sport, almost any sport right now. So bring it on. Uh, I think it does increase the chances of a triple crown winner this year. Uh, not having the long race. Uh, because, I mean, all, the, all three races being a similar distance uh, kind of helps with the training, kind of uniform training pattern. So. I think there is an increased chance of a triple crown winner. So,
1: yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I'm also confident that whoever, if, if there's a triple crown winner this year, they're putting a big asterisk next to that <laughs> um, because horse racing people are some petty people, unless this horse is dying, then they're okay with it. But when it comes to winning, they are petty. Somebody else. lucky
3: people. It is it is. Uh,
1: true. Somebody else who's petty out there. Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> the the last dance is over, boys. Hey, um, Wall. What are your thoughts on the on that docu series, the ten episodes of the Last Dance?
2: I loved it. I I understand that it was very, uh, very much tilted towards Michael Jordan and his <laughs> opinions, and you know everything like that. I mean, I remember being fourteen years old in, in uh, nineteen ninety eight. And just loving that whole that whole year and watching that Bulls team as much as I could, and I mean, you know, obviously I didn't know a lot of the stories then, but now I get to see them and how how it kind of turned out, and and um, it was just really cool for me to see that. And you know, he is definitely petty for sure. He's definitely <laughs> holds grudges like you wouldn't believe, um, and maybe isn't <clears throat> maybe isn't a great guy, uh, but he he was. One hell of a competitor. And, no any mean,
1: other. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was good stuff.
1: Yeah. There, there's no maybe about Jordan not being a good guy. And, and I say this all the time about we let athletes and sports figures get away with stuff that nobody else in society is allowed to. I mean, Michael Jordan is just a sociopath, right? I mean, the dude is – he makes up stuff. He goes off the deep end. Um I mean – in any other walk of life, we're not celebrating this guy as somebody our kids should emulate, and this is what a real competitor looks like. I mean, the dude is in any other walk of life, the dude's riding the struggle bus hard. Um, Chris, what are your what are your impressions after you've seen all ten episodes?
0: Um,
3: I, I think I mentioned after the first two, I was like, "Hey, this is really interesting because I don't, I don't really know Michael Jordan's like story because it happened." Right before I remember sports. The 98 season's probably the first one I actually remember uh parts of it.
1: And you were 4. It
3: was 12, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it was nice to like see uh it gave me an appreciation for Scotty Pippen. Uh, I never was a Scotty Pippen fan and the documentary did him very it treated him very well. I'll just say that. Uh I I didn't like how chopped up it was. Uh, It was kind of flashback, flash forward, flashback, flash forward. It was all over the place. And sometimes there was no real rhyme or rhythm to the flashbacks. Uh, Some of it seemed pointless. So if I could... I I, I don't mind if you go back and forth as long as there's a purpose. But this had just seemed like they were doing it for the hell of it. I thought they should have named it something besides The Last Dance. (laughs) Uh, Because, I mean, it was just a Michael Jordan documentary. It was... I mean, I guess the last dance was the the overriding theme, but it was really just Michael Jordan. Uh, So there is that. Let's see what else.
1: Well, and like, and they kind of alluded to the idea of like the team could have come back and you know could they have run it back and won a seventh title? But and I forgot about this. I mean, even Phil Jackson before that season referred to that season as the team's last dance. Like everybody knew there was no chance of holding that team together
3: i mean Krauss basically tore apart there <laughs> he was like we're getting tim floyd we're rebuilding we're in salary cap hell right now they actually had a hard cap in the nba back then and jordan was making something 30 something million dollars <laughs> uh, the cap was probably 60 million uh,
1: i mean yes. jordan was making lebron money now 30 years ago
3: yeah i mean nba superstars are drastically underpaid even making 40 million dollars because studs studs are where it's at but yeah it was a good documentary it wasn't great uh i feel like it was released sometimes besides this pandemic where everybody's just sports hungry i think the reviews wouldn't have been so glowing uh but now everybody's just like happy to see some sports so all in all i was happy to watch it
1: yeah, I think it was good. I don't think it was as some people are talking about the greatest sports documentary ever. Um,
3: oh, but guys that's a good
1: question. Speaking of
3: that, what's <laughs> your favorite thirty for thirty?
1: Oh. Uh, hey, well, do you have one that stands out?
2: Uh, not off the top of my head. I was gonna say something stupid like Rudy or something. <laughs> 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 Who's I, yours? I one of
1: those the, good sports movies, Chris. <laughs> uh,
3: I was gonna say the two Escobars. That's that was my favorite so far.
1: I'm trying to think. I'm not having any that stand out. The OJ one, the
3: 1994, that was solid.
1: I do remember liking the OJ one. Um, June, June whatever. The Allen Iverson one was intriguing. Well, guys, uh, evidently a couple of players did not find this documentary too intriguing. Horace Grant came out and basically just ripped all things Michael Jordan this week. Um, Said the entire series was BS, that all negative stuff regarding Michael Jordan was edited out. He says he hasn't talked to Jordan in three years, and he agreed to do the documentary, expecting it to be fair and balanced, and that they basically edited out all of his, uh, anything negative he said about Jordan. Pippen supposedly is upset by it, doesn't believe it happened. Um, And then we have the guy who supposedly delivered Michael Jordan his pizza that poisoned him said the entire story is BS. Um, he said that he did deliver pizza to Michael Jordan. He said there was only two people working in that pizza shop at the time the delivery came in. So there couldn't have possibly been five that showed up. Um, he promises that it wasn't poisoned. He didn't He, he wouldn't even know how to poison. Um, which that's my question. Like, how are you going to food poison somebody? Like, what do you do?
3: Just put some bad onions, baby.
1: Like you just think they just have bad onions sitting there waiting until Michael Jordan calls and they slide them in there?
3: Apparently, onions is the number one food poisoning food out there.
1: Who knew? They Great
2: did enough. say it was the only place open, so maybe it just sucked as an establishment.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's Salt Lake City back in the the nineties, so
1: yeah, those Mormons—they're made... all about poisoning people.
3: Was it a Sunday, Saturday, late Saturday night?
1: Probably. So I've this is the big question that one I'm surprised people have not, a lot of people had not heard that story before that um, Jordan potentially was food poisoned, you know, during the flu game. I've been on the bandwagon for years now. Um, at least ever since Bill Simmons brought it up that Michael Jordan was hung over during that game. He didn't have the flu. He wasn't food poisoned. Oh. Um, uh, Chris, you you I, think he was poisoned or he had the flu? Because you definitely don't think he was hungover.
3: I I definitely don't think it was a hungover thing because Michael Jordan probably played hundreds of NBA games hungover. I mean that dude was either at at the basketball court, at the poker table, at the golf course, or drinking somewhere. Like I mean, he was he went a hundred miles an hour no matter what he was doing. Ah. Uh, Back in my college days, uh, back whenever I drank semi regularly, a hungover would not have stopped. Would not maybe act like I was dying. I would have powered through.
1: Oh, I don't know, Chris. I, I remember seeing you a couple months ago, and you were barely powering through, and all you had to do was sit in the passenger seat of the car.
3: Yeah, that's because I don't, I don't drink anymore, hardly. <laughs> but Jordan, his lifestyle—I don't know that his lifestyle has ever changed. If we're being honest. So I think you get, you get used to it if you do it enough, like frequently enough. So
1: I, don't I think mean, it's a hangover. is it not weird that in the middle of the night he decides, you know what, I need a large pizza and I'm going to eat the whole thing myself the night before an, an NBA finals game? Is that not weird at all? I mean, he was probably playing cards. Chris, he's also an hour flight away from Vegas. You don't think there's any chance Jordan was in Vegas that night? I mean, All he clearly right. made up the story because there weren't five people that showed up to deliver this pizza.
3: I mean, Dennis Rodney could have went to Vegas with him. That's possible. See? Hold, hold on, hold on. I, there may have been only been two people
2: working at the pizza place, but you don't think they'd call their friends if they knew it was Michael Jordan? To do what? Like to because Michael Jordan's in town. We're delivering a pizza. You want to come with us? You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like
1: You want to meet him? I mean I, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he's going to sign all of our sneakers at 12:30 at night when we hand a pizza to his trainer.
2: If you guys called me up said, "Hey, we're delivering a pizza to Michael Jordan. I'm there. I don't care if I'm getting signed sneakers or
3: what, but I'm still there." Hey, well, the real question is, would you quit your job to do
2: that? <laughs> Am I getting $2,000 a month <laughs> from the government <laughs> to be determined? Listen, um, guys.
1: Not everyone loves their job. Okay. <laughs> so, are we are we also to believe that Michael Jordan ordered this pizza under his real name when the dude didn't check into hotels under his real name, but at twelve thirty at night, completely sober, he decides, "I want a pizza. Let's tell him it's Michael Jordan. This will be fine." Honest, he probably
3: wasn't sober.
1: Uh, see, this is where I'm leaning to my uh, my hangover theory here, Chris. But I'm
3: saying the hangover. You, you...
1: Do, hangover,
3: do
2: hangovers, hangover. yeah, I was going to say, do hangovers last until, you know, 7 p.m. at night?
1: I think for Michael Jordan, when he clearly had a, I mean, the dude would play cards and then golf like in the morning without ever sleeping.
3: There's a better chance he was golfing during the morning shooter round, and that's why he didn't go, and that's why he pretended to be sick.
1: I'm that- just saying, the, it, he clearly didn't have the flu. His own trainer said he was poisoned, but they never said it until several years later. The story's changing for a reason because they're trying to hide something. Just like Jordan started playing baseball, and we'll never find out why. Um,
3: I think we will eventually on that one. I don't know. I don't know by that. There's no, way think- the,
2: there's no way the league is suspending their most popular player ever
3: for 18 <laughs> ever. months. Not happening.
2: No, I, um, I agree
3: with you there. I just think he was, he was wiped out and just needed a break. I mean, emotionally, like especially with his father being killed that summer. I think he was just – he needed a break.
1: Well, somebody who needed a break during the finals, Dennis Rodman, decided to go WWE um, in the finals. AWOL, what's the likelihood of LeBron's teammate deciding to wrestle uh, the night before an NBA finals game, missing practice? Who would be the most likely LeBron teammate all the
2: time? (laughs) J.R. Smith, probably. Maybe Anderson Varejo. I could see, Come on, man. see him or oh, Birdman Birdman going out Oh, there. Birdman oh. would have done it as as the the resident um, wrestling fan along with Cole that was WCW first off that's where oh. the big boys play <laughs> sorry and um, yeah big Carl boys Malone, like
1: Carl Malone
2: Carl Malone was also involved in that storyline which was it was pretty epic back in the day um, Rodman he marched to the beat of his own his own horn. So he, you know, <laughs> Phil Jackson allowed him to do whatever he wanted and it, it clearly worked, you know, it clearly worked for Rodman. And so that, I did not know that that coincided. I didn't know that, you know, during the finals, he went and, and taped, you know, WCW money nitro. That's, that's a pretty crazy story to me, but pretty awesome dude, as well.
1: Dude missed a practice and a walkthrough. And what's amazing is his head coach, the owner, and supposedly the toughest dude in the league history, Michael Jordan, were all okay with him because they knew he was just going to show up, worm his way into 15 boards, and it was going to be okay. <laughs> crazy. Something else that's crazy I did not think is, was possible, guys. It appears college football is ready to start on time. Um, all everything is leaning towards students back on campus. Um, You know, probably at the latest June fifteenth for um, for athletes, students, July and August. Most colleges have come out and basically said they're going to cancel fall break. They're going to wrap everything up by Thanksgiving. Um, Chris, What do you think the chances are that we actually have college football played with or without fans? You know, we're definitely not going to have full stadiums, but college football played in September of this year.
3: I'm buying it. There's just too much money. Uh, I mean, you're going to have colleges, their athletic departments would go under if there wasn't a college football season. Uh, that's just the reality of it. How, I mean, I know there, there's an LSU, uh, athletic budget by sport and it's like a profit loss thing. And this was back maybe three years ago and football was something like 55 million. And, uh, there was two sports, two or three sports that even made any money, and the rest were in the in the red. So
1: Men, men's basketball and baseball—the only two that make money at LSU.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, every school—it's two or three sports tops that make money uh, outside of football. So, yeah, it, it there's going to be a season. Even the TV revenue alone's worth it. So.
1: Yeah, it looks like most schools are going to try to have, they feel like they can in the SEC, they can socially distance eight to 10,000 people in the stands. I'll be curious to see how they figure out which eight to 10,000 get to show up. If any <laughs> students get to show up all that fun stuff. But Chris, the SEC would have already had a timeline to get athletes on campus June 1st. If it wasn't for your boy, Philip Fulmer, who decided he wasn't ready. What, what gives with, with that bill? Uh,
3: I saw where he just said he wanted to push it back to June 15th. Uh, no harm, no foul there. It's just two weeks back. Uh,
1: well, he originally wanted to push it back at least a month, and then... Yeah,
3: I saw where he compromised to June 15th, so that uh, two weeks isn't that big of a deal, so no harm, no foul.
1: But why was he the... Like, why? He's the only one. Uh, I just don't the only understand.
3: The theory I have is there was no real turnover on UT's coaching staff, so he feels like he might have a competitive advantage if there's a shorter spring practice or quote-unquote ramp up period so that's the only thing i could think of
1: yeah yeah i mean it's one of those things like if vandy you know decides hey guys we don't need to get students on campus yet i could see it but i was surprised for a football school and a football guy like fulmer to kind of pump the brakes on that hey well how
3: current everybody so it's except for the wide receivers so
1: returns everybody and recruiting is going really well when none of his recruits can go to other camp uh you know other campuses or or to his own campus so I think he may be, be working a little bit A college football where to start uh let's say UNC Charlotte has a game September 4th are you going
2: Probably not um I mean I I'm not Well wait
1: to be to be fair if this <laughs> Half- was 2019 would you have gone How many no. UNC
2: Charlotte football <laughs> games have you been to? <laughs> I think I've been to five, and they've okay. had a program for, I don't know, six, seven years. They they did go to a bowl, so I'm a little more intrigued. No, I, I wouldn't have gone last year either, but I'm not the most uh, paranoid person out there by any means, but I'm probably going to avoid really large gatherings <laughs> of thousands of people if I can, at least for uh, the next, you know, for the time being, but... I mean, I also think there will be football just for a lot of the same reasons that Chris said. I mean, money is money talks. And I guess what I'm confused about, and I think you guys talked about this last week a little bit, like how does this work for California schools? Um, I mean, they're they're going to be, you know, locked down until August. They
3: they did change their stance and they said uh, they need pro sports. So I don't know if that if they will also apply that to college sports as well.
1: I think, I think California fully expected New York and Illinois. And I mentioned this last week to fall in line and say the same thing and nobody fell in line and actually colleges <laughs> said, Nope, we need students on campus. Like the state of New York said, our colleges ha- can't exist if we don't have students on campus this fall. And so I think with everybody saying they're showing up, uh, California, I think will eventually reverse course. Um, But, I mean, like, right now the SEC is planning on playing an SEC schedule. I don't know what they do with these, you know, directional school games that they're all supposed to play, if they're going to continue to do that. Is it worth playing a team that you're going to beat 54 to nothing when you have 3,000 people in the stands? Like, so I'm not sure how that works. I'm not sure how they handle um, season ticket holders and all that stuff. But we're going to have football in the fall. TV um, ratings are going to be through the roof for college football. So, you know, I think the the days of the 90, 100,000 seat football stadiums are gone. You know, those renovations are going to be reducing capacity at this point because I think this is just further proof what we've seen in the years past that it just doesn't make sense a lot of times to pay 50 bucks to go to a football game. So you have the privilege to pay 12 bucks for a beer. Um, and hopefully have a decent seat for a game. They gotta so. make
3: those seats wider. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one game we went to, maybe Tennessee, South Carolina, I don't know, four years ago.
1: On the on the bleacher.
3: Yeah. And I was like, gosh, man. I mean, not, I'm I'm definitely not the smallest person, but I'm sure it's only like the biggest person either. But uh <laughs> geez. I don't yeah. know. Yeah.
1: I fully expect, especially in the SEC, every football stadium is gonna have uh, seats uh, within the next, I'd say, five years. They're going to have to um, because they're not going to keep filling up the stands and to renovate. You got to get more comfortable if you're going to keep getting people in there.
3: Kind of like the Thompson bowling thing.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, you either tarp off the top for 20 games a year or you make it more comfortable and nice. So, yeah. And if it's comfortable and nice, opposing fans will come. Guys, big topic of conversation in the sports world. On the Today Show, everybody's talking about cheerleading AWOL. Before I go any further, did you watch the documentary Cheer on Netflix?
2: I did not. My wife loved it. I <laughs> thought it would be one you'd, you, would have, you would have ended up watching it at some point. So I watched like half an episode, and I had so many questions. <laughs> I was like, first off, where is this taking place? And <laughs> these are some weird folks. Um, no, my wife was a cheerleader for a long, long time, um, you know, famously an NFL cheerleader for for a minute there. So she was really <laughs> into it. Um, but I don't know a whole lot about cheerleading outside of that.
1: <laughs> well, University of Kentucky's cheerleading team is probably the best um, college program of any sport anywhere. I think they've won like 24 of the last 30 national titles in their division. Uh, So they decided to fire all of their coaches. They have four coaches and their long-term advisor who'd been there like 40 years um, over some alleged underage drinking at a retreat, um, some nudity, and some hazing. All this comes about from one girl's mom called Kentucky and said that her daughter had had to go through all this stuff on a retreat that they did last year. The coaches were there and didn't do anything about it. Most interesting fact to all this, I had no idea. Maybe this is normal for every co- every every college. UK cheerleading does not report to anybody on campus. They're not an athletic team. They don't report to the athletic director. They don't report to student affairs like the Greek system does. They don't report um, to anybody. Like they have their own entity. Um, they're completely funded by alumni donations. Uh, UK cheerleader alumni donations. They're really really good at what they do but they fired everybody in the, in the, um, the cheerleaders are pissed. Um, Chris, is there any recovering from a scandal about hazing cheerleaders? Um,
3: I don't even know what to say. Uh, I I saw it. I was in West Tennessee. It was on the Paducah news. I threw it on the outline just to be a smart ass to Logan, uh, (laughs) suck, suck it. UK fan. And, I have no clue what to make of it. Uh, I should have text Comer. He's a former male cheerleader at Tennessee Tech, uh, and ask him about all the hazing they did there. But I assume this shit happens everywhere. I assume it's not really that big of a deal. Uh, I mean, I was in a fraternity in college. There was somewhat, you could say there might have been hazing, uh, but it was nothing too terrible. Like, I mean, really, no, no pain, no public embarrassment. So. Uh, Yeah, so I don't. I I, I mean, the biggest takeaway was there were four cheerleading coaches. That just (laughs) seems insane to me.
1: That is true. That that seems to be a lot. Um, I mean, if I, I look at it as, I assume college kids do this all the time. Like, I mean, they were at Lake Cumberland. I'd been there with guys when I was in high school. Like, you know, it's 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 kind of like our fancy football draft weekend without the nudity. Well. Kind of like our fantasy football draft <laughs> weekend um, <laughs> without the coeds, I should say. Um, and so, I mean, I assume this happens. Supposedly, the issue was the coaches were there. And at that point, I mean, once somebody brings this to your attention, if you're a college, I mean, could you imagine Mitch Barnhart, who's one of the most straight laced athletic directors in the country? Uh, I mean, he's the reason why UK still won't sell beer or alcohol. If somebody comes to him and says, hey, John Calipari was with his basketball team at Lake Cumberland when they were all drinking and getting naked. I mean, and hazing each other. I mean, don't you at that point have to fire him? Like you don't really have a choice, right?
3: Oh, you're forced. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, so that's kind of what I feel like this time is, you know, mama got mad and I don't really know what else to do. uh, Assuming all this actually happened. I don't really know what else you'd do if you're the athletic director, but That's enough about cheerleading. Let's talk about something everybody cares about. Sounds like
2: we missed a heck of a party. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, evidently there were lots of white claws being drunk there at the UK cheerleading retreat. (laughs) Um, Florida man decides to jump into a Bass Pro Aquarium. He has yet to be caught, even though it was videoed. But supposedly he did over $3,000 worth of damage by jumping in and swimming in the Bass Pro Aquarium. AWOL, have you ever been tempted to swim in the Bass Pro Aquarium?
2: No. Uh, (laughs) Definitely not. Dang it. Uh, (laughs) Not to say it hasn't crossed my mind at other aquariums, but never the Bass Pro Aquarium. (laughs) It does not surprise me that this happened in Florida, as (laughs) crazy crap happens in Florida all the time. (laughs) Take no chicky.
1: Why, why, guys? I don't. Why is Florida so crazy? I don't understand. I've been there and I still don't understand.
2: I have no idea. One of my favorite radio shows here in town. They they have a segment once, once a day, not even once a week, once a day called (laughs) "It Happened in Florida," and they just it's just crazy stories. So it does not surprise me. Three thousand dollars worth of damage. I mean, I don't know what goes into aquariums. (laughs) I don't know if he was choking out jellyfish or
1: what (laughs) yeah he jumped in there and was choking out the catfish (laughs) tried to drown the catfish in there (laughs) yeah crazy crazy story well chris had a good idea he he wanted all three of us to google our birthday um google your birthday and florida man to give you give everybody the best florida story that shows up so I'll do mine first. September twelfth, Florida man shoots cousin to test bulletproof vest. Classic. Uh, I actually I actually remember reading this one. Um, it was it may have been last year. It was fairly recent. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, what's yours?
3: Uh, July eleventh. It, it reads: Florida man with no arms charged with stabbing man with scissors. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Florida man, no arms, charged with stabbing man with scissors.
3: That's what it says.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like like there's more to that story. AWOL, you got a good one?
3: Uh, First one that
2: came up, May 31st. Florida man accidentally kills roommate dog while committing suicide.
1: (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) I need some deets on that one.
2: Man. This needs to be a new segment. I know I'm just a guest on the show, but this needs to be a new segment.
1: I thought about at one point having a segment where it was going to be Tennessee, Georgia, or Florida, and I would tell a story, and Chris and Hickman would have to guess, but every week it was going to be a, a story about Florida. <laughs>
3: we really should open every episode off with uh, with uh, this date, like a kind of history thing. Like, that oh, would be... so, I don't even know what today's date is. May 20th, 20th or something. 20th, yeah. Yep. Yeah, May 20th. What's the best Florida man story?
1: (laughs) That would be good. Because eventually we're going to run out of players' jersey numbers. Uh, Thank you, Dirk. (laughs) Guys, Chuck E. Cheese and Applebee's have changed their online name when you order at Grubhub and Uber Eats and those places because both of them have said that they think people are looking to buy from more locally-owned restaurants. So if you go to Grubhub and you want a pizza – If you find Pasquale's Pizza, you're not getting a locally owned pizza joint. You're getting some Chuck E. Cheese pepperoni pizza action. Um, If you're looking for some wings and you see the Neighborhood Restaurant, that's not your local neighborhood. That's Applebee's who decided to change their online name to Neighborhood to try to ramp up the business. AWOL. What's the likelihood you order from neighborhood or Pasquale's in the next month?
2: Um, zero now. I'm glad you <laughs> saved me from that one. I mean, neighborhood Neighborhood at least makes sense. You know, you're eating good in the neighborhood when you're at the Applebee's. But, um, man, those I don't know the last time you guys had a, a Chuck E. Cheese pizza, but it is not good. No. <laughs> It is. We took, we took our daughter there, I think for her second or third birthday and she loved it, of course, but man, the pizza was terrible. And I think it was $20 for a large sure. pizza. It was brutal. Um, so I would be pretty, pretty pissed if I'm trying to order some <laughs> local from lo- local establishment, you know, and then I, I get Applebee's, um,
1: or I get Chuck E.
2: Cheese for sure.
1: Yeah. I don't know what you do if you order Pasquale's and, Uber Eats dude shows up and it's in a Chuck E. Cheese box. Like, what are you, what are you doing at that point? Like, no, nope, I don't I don't think that's what I wanted, man. I'm not looking for the mouse today. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm thankful in Knoxville that all these trampoline parks popped up because like AWOL, hey, well, it seemed like every second or third year old birthday party was at Chuck E. Cheese. And there's just something about the noise and those animatronic robots that are 30 years old and the overpriced pizza that, you know... Thankfully, the kids are over that stage, and there's more more fun activities for them than Chuck E. Cheese. But how has that place survived so long, Chris?
3: Um, I don't know. My <laughs> wife, my wife uh, is in love with that place somehow.
1: Where's the closest Chuck E. Cheese to you? Uh,
3: maybe, maybe Murfreesboro. I'm not sure. Every time we pass one, she's like, oh, Chuck E. Cheese. Like, she has great <laughs> memories there. And I'm just like, must be a West Tennessee thing, I'm sure. Uh,
1: it's not an East Tennessee thing. I think you need to dig in a little bit deeper on
2: that one and find out what, what the backstory story is on that one, Chris.
3: I'll do what I can.
1: <laughs> she, had, she had an old high school boyfriend named Chuck, didn't she?
3: Must have. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, speaking of an East Tennessee thing, guys, Peyton Manning has decided to fall in line with all the other celebrities um, and their alcohol. You had The Rock come out with his bourbon uh, a month or so ago. Countless other celebrities got their, got their alcohol drink. Um, Peyton Manning coming out with a bourbon, a 13 year bourbon, $200 a bottle. Uh, it's Dickel Juice. I can just go ahead and tell you, I'm. Just pretty confident it's not going to be worth $200 a bottle. Um, what's the chances that you buy it? Uh,
2: $200 bottle of, you guys know me. Uh, <laughs> zero percent chance that I'm buying a $200 bottle of bourbon. I don't care if it's Pappy. I'm not <laughs> spending $200 on bourbon. Because like you said, I probably can't tell the difference. Um, I can definitely tell the difference between a $10 bottle and a $50 bottle but I probably can't tell much of a difference between a $50 bottle and a $200 bottle. So it's not going to be worth it. So 0% chance.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can get you a 15 year knob Creek for 50 or 60 bucks. Um, This 13 year old blended dickle juice out of Tennessee. It's again, I can't imagine it's going to be any good. Um, But Chris, how many people's house are you going to walk into over the next year that have a bottle of Peyton Manning bourbon next to their nineteen ninety eight Fritos chip bag oh. uh, and an old, old old glass bottle Pepsi from the na- national title uh. years. <laughs>
3: uh, I don't know. It depends where Hickman lives <laughs> to answer that question. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, George Dickel is about thirty minutes from my house, the distillery. So I imagine the Peyton Manning thing will be quite popular in this area. So. I'll probably see a bottle or two at a house I go to. Uh, I hate, I'm not a bourbon fan. Uh, just, it's not my thing. I'm a vodka guy. So, I mean, if somebody offered me a drink, I'd probably take it, but I, I would be like, tastes like bourbon, tastes like shit.
1: Yeah. I had a guy offer. Uh, he sent me a a little sample of, it's about a $300 bottle. Um, of some angels envy just the last week or so that was really, really good, but I'm not spending that kind of money on, um, on alcohol. Speaking of which I recently saw at a local liquor store, y'all remember we talked about the Sam Adams utopia. Yeah. It's like the super aged beer. It's like 28% alcohol content
3: percentage. Yeah.
1: Um, saw a bottle of that at a local liquor store here. Uh, it's been there for at least a month. Nobody's bought it yet, but it is out there in the wild, AWOL. If you want some Sam Adams Utopia, it runs about 200 bucks or so, plus or minus. Oh, um,
2: damn. Okay, nope. I guess not. AWOL was getting <laughs> so excited there. Give me some 28%
3: <laughs> beer. Holy cow.
1: Uh, if it ain't push yeah.
3: slot, I'm not interested. Uh.
1: We we were talking before we jumped on the podcast here. Uh, Peyton Manning now is part owner of a golf course down the Chattanooga area, Sweeten's Cove, which they named the Bourbon after. Um, and Chris, would you say it's thirty five dollars now to play nine holes?
3: Yeah, that's. Uh, they don't have carts right now because they're social distancing and stuff. So you get to walk it, but yeah, it's thirty five bucks.
1: And supposedly, it's like this hole in the wall golf course. You know, gravel. Oh.
3: Middle of um, nowhere. Yeah. yeah, gravel
1: parking lot, no clubhouse, no locker room, nothing like that. I think um, it's about
3: sixty to ride eighteen, like normally.
1: Okay. But supposedly it's a really sweet course. Um that Pate Manning and several other celebrities decided they wanted to buy and resurrect this thing. So and by resurrect I mean not fix up. They're trying to leave it as is. But ought to be a fun course we should try to we should try to hit up sometime. We could play that course. 10 times before we bought a a bottle of Peyton Manning bourbon. It's not going to be You guys free
2: this weekend? I mean, I could definitely
3: get out if you guys (laughs) want to meet over there. The wife's out of town. I can make it work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Last but not least, Spencer Dinwiddie, NBA legend. Um, He's expected his next contract to make about $24 million a year. He decided that he wanted to try to crowdfund his next contract and essentially tell the Twitter world, if they could raise $25 million um, that they, he would let them pick where, what team he went to next, where he went to play.
0: Oh wow.
1: Um, If they did not raise $25 million, he was going to donate it all to charity. Chris, how much money did they raise that Spencer Dinwiddie raised from his fans?
3: I don't know, but the article I read said it would take 136 years <laughs> at the current pace to raise $25 million. I think the big donor was $69.
1: Well, that that would make point. sense because he raised a total, drum roll please, $1,150. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh no.
2: His poor mama probably gave a thousand of that. <laughs>
1: I'm like, I don't know if this is the dumbest idea I've ever seen a professional athlete try to do. Um, but your current team has to be pissed that you're basically just saying, you know what, I don't care. I'm not loyal to anybody, just loyal to the paycheck. And if you know Chris Collett in middle of nowhere, Tennessee wants to give me 24 million, he can pick my next team. Two it's completely stupid to think that just because you have $24 million handed to you, you can just go play for whoever you want, like anybody's willing to let you play for them. Um, but easily the most embarrassing part is the dude thought he had a chance of raising $24 million and he barely raised $1,000.
2: I'm actually really proud of America right now. <laughs> like, I had not heard this story. I didn't see this in the outline. <laughs> When you started to say it, I was like, I almost imagined that people would do it. And
1: I'm so glad they didn't. Hey, well, it was like, everybody's got all these stimulus checks. All of a sudden, Spencer Dinwiddie's made $24 million. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've seen people give money to dumber things. I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised.
1: Hey, well, how much money would we have to raise for the Agave Brothers for us to pick your next um, gig location? Oh, man. $55. All right. Oh. <laughs> there's there's a, there's a house in Cookville that's about to get a private show for $55. Is Ann going to be there? That's the question. <laughs> Just pay the uh,
2: travel expenses, which is like right now gas is nothing, so we'll we'll fly,
1: we'll fly you in. We'll fly you in to Nashville for $13, they
3: Shout out Spirit Airlines.
1: Shout out to Spirit. <laughs> And shout out to Dirk Nowitzki for episode 41. Guys, it was fun. Sports are coming back. We're getting more and more. We're going to have more and more stuff to talk about. But if you guys see any crazy Florida man stories out there, hit us up on the Facebook page, on Twitters. Hit us up on that Twitter box. Let us know so we we can make sure to share the world how big of idiots Florida is these days. And nobody knows why. This has been episode 41 for the Sports Nuts and Beer Guts. See you next week.
0: Tell all the hunters to lay down their guns. Tell them that the tiger needs a little bit of love. Let them run the jungle. Let them roam their land Then stand back and marvel What a beautiful pet Cause I saw a tiger Now I understand I saw a tiger Tiger saw me I can give him a home save safe and the law wants to ban me. Can you tell me who's wrong? Every time The sun be gone So you better take a picture